This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to Bowler here momentarily. Tweet coming out right now from Mike Conley. Says, yes, sir. Congrats to Spida Mitchell, Rudy Gobert. Hopefully many more to come. Hashtag take note. So Mike probably a little bummed, but uh, still congratulating his teammates. That's good. Yeah, he's just classy, dude. That's just the way it is. Classy. Which is the reason a lot of folks think he deserves an all-star berth. Not just his play on the court, but uh, who he is as a player and a person. Mike Conley would be... I mean, about as easy a teammate to play with as anybody, and that's why he wins that Lady Bing Award every year or whatever it's called. That's a hockey award, but you know what I'm talking about. How many fistfights disqualify you from getting that award? (laughs) Well, I mean, different people have different responsibilities. But if you get in, like, 20 fistfights, are you no no longer eligible? It's the responsibility of certain players to be protectors of uh, the game. And it's the responsibility of other players to uh, be really nifty with the puck and to score the puck. And so they have different roles. Like Bobby Clark back in the day with the Flyers, his job was to score. And then Dave the Hammer Schultz, it was his job to keep the game clean. Let's not talk hockey with our next guest. Let's get out <laughs> to the zone phone. Joining us now, the television voice of the Utah Jazz, Craig Bowlerjack. What's up, Bowler? He shoots, he scores. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's exactly. let's talk a little basketball with Bowler. What do you let's say? Do. Let's yeah. do it. Uh, the Rudy and Donovan. Let's start here, Bowler. Rudy and Donovan All Stars again. Your thoughts? Well, uh, deservingly so. Um, look at the numbers and look at the um, impact they both have on the game. And Rudy's defense, even last night, just kind of accentuates what he does on a nightly basis. Um, you know, gearing up over close to 90 blocks in this shortened season and 13 and a half rebounds. Um, you know, he's he's a, a guy that, you know, there are lovers and haters. I get it. Uh, that's kind of the way it is with a lot of players in a popularity contest with some fans. But uh, the guy changes the game in so many different ways. And Donovan is uh, all of 24 and a electrifying young leader who's gotten better every year since his rookie campaign. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I, I, it'd be a huge um, disservice to the NBA not to have both those guys in. Bowler, what are your thoughts on Mike Conley not getting in? Well, you have to think, too, uh, Gordo, that he could be an injury replacement. So now the battle goes down uh, with uh, Chris Paul uh, or, um, well, Chris Paul's in. So it'd be yeah. a booker a Booker uh, or a a Mike Conley. Look, I don't know how it's going to break down, but if you look at Conley's numbers as the league leader in plus minus 16 a game, nearly six assists on the best team in the NBA, yeah, deserving? I believe so. Booker, dynamic, uh, there's no question about that. Uh, Chris Paul, would you say, is he deserving? Well, he's got about the same numbers uh, in the rebound and points department, but he does have the edge by about three assists. 
you know, guys, I think it comes down, and again, you hope it's not the case with coaches, but look, it's it's human nature. You know, is it a popularity contest? Is it total respect? Is it a combination of the two? So we'll have to wait and see, you know, on how this how this turns out. But uh, Mike's had a terrific year, and I, you know, I've always said this that how difficult is it for a 14-year pro to actually improve his game? And I think Conley uh, has has reached that plateau uh, more than expected, to be honest. After the the changeover from from Memphis after 12 years, he struggled last year, man, trying to figure out the system, understanding ball handling, uh, that he didn't have to be the dominant ball handler throughout the course of a night. There were multiple players that were going to handle the ball. Then the injury comes, but I thought he picked up his game just before COVID hit, and then he picked it back up again in the bubble. Uh, He's continued on this year. So um, no matter what happens, you'll be excited for him or disappointed. Look, it's going to be close. And I I don't know how the votes really break down with coaches if you know, if they really break down numbers, uh, if you look at win-loss records, if you look at, uh, you know, plus-minus uh, assist ratio to uh, turnovers. But Mike Conley is deserving, no matter if he makes it or not. Bowler, I, and maybe this is just a dumb question, so if it is, feel free not to answer it. But should the Jazz feel... Mm, disrespected is a strong word, but I slighted. I slighted because they've they've been so extraordinary this year. And I remember when Atlanta was going through their run four or five years ago, and the whole starting lineup made the All Star team. You yeah. know, did they yeah. deserve three simply because what they're doing has been so good? Well, we're so close to it here in Utah, and and you know, Gordon, you write about the Jazz. I broadcast. Jake, you handle uh, pre uh, halftime and post, and we're we're closer. So yeah, I'm gonna you know make sure that statement's out there to understand that I see this team and I'm closer to them. And I, I, I covered Mike since he came over here, obviously, and have watched him go up and down and, you know, really become even a better player than I thought he was in, in Memphis. And he was damn good there. Um, but, you know, I think this is a situation, Jake, that is always kind of not haunts, but just kind of tags on the coattails of the jazz franchise is the, is the feeling of disrespect. You know, working in New York off and on for 13 years when I traveled back and did a lot of games in the East, the Southeast, I always got asked that question, you know, Utah, you know, how do you do it? Uh, What is it like out there? And also when I was at ESPN, you know, I got to do something really neat, and that's when, um, you know, Big Monday was kicked off, and we started to expand the coverage of the West and I'm talking about, you know, college basketball and college football. And then the NBA came along a little bit later. Uh, but I still think because of the time zone issues and the Eastern newspapers and writers and radio and television, and this is just my experience, guys, with, with CBS especially, those 13 seasons, is that there's still a, a misnomer about the West and they maybe aren't, in fact, I would say they're not as interested in what happens past, you know, St. Louis because of the time frame and because the way the, the doubleheaders on TNT are built, a lot of times those guys slide it to 845 mountain time and just add two more hours to that, okay? And by the time you get to half, you know, most of the East Coast may be in bed. Hardcore fans obviously are there. 
But I still think there's a combination of all this in this discussion about why the West, unless you have a LeBron who started in the East with Cleveland and they watch him travel. Now, granted, championships will gain you popularity and coverage. We all know that. Uh, And the same way with where uh, the Nets are now with their big three. Um, But for some reason, maybe Donovan and Rudy, because they have more of the team concept, just aren't as sexy uh, to the rest of the NBA. Uh, I know there's a lot of respect for both those players and Quinn Snyder, mind you. Uh, hell, he's he's coaching the Western Conference All Stars, you know. But it, it it's it's like Jerry Sloan never coached an All Star game. Jerry Sloan was not a a Coach of the Year uh, award winner, which is stunning when you really break it down. But in the day I remember, they would say, "Well, they got Stockton and Malone." Okay, big deal, you know. Pat Riley had Magic and Jabbar and Worthy, right? But. It just seems like it doesn't work out that way. And Gordo, in the writing business, are you with me on that particular slant about coverage and impact of what the media has? Oh, yeah. It's based on population basis. You know, I mean, there are just more people uh, in certain markets, and so it draws more attention. You know, as you were talking about all those different examples, I was thinking about the San Antonio Spurs who are winning all those championships, and yet did they get the same attention as some of the other markets do? Uh, I don't think so. And you know what it was? It wasn't as, I hate to use the word again, but sexy. It wasn't as, it wouldn't draw the numbers. Look, let's be honest. Based on population, papers, the sale of papers, the sale of television revenue ads play a part in this too about whether or not a team is a draw. And to see us, you know, the Jazz be on ESPN tomorrow night, which, you know, has happened, I believe, I don't have it in front of me, what, three times, TNT twice in the first half of the season. When you compare that to other teams on the West Coast because of population or the East. And so that comes into play as well. But also the Lakers would still draw because of the population, but also LeBron being there just triples that uh, that impact or, or the – uh, the sexy factor, I keep going, sorry. But that's really what we kept hearing when I was at the networks was the fact, well, look, you know, what What about Alabama and uh, Ole Miss? Well, you know, what about, well, we'll definitely do the Alabama-Auburn game. Of course you would because that's going to draw more viewers and it has more eyes on the set. And that's what it comes down to as we know. I mean, ratings for radio, ratings for the Jazz. The, the Utah Jazz still have, I believe, top three ratings in the NBA um, and look at our our eyes on the set. I mean, it shows you the popularity of this of this of this franchise and the players that play here. I mean, it's an amazing thing. But on a national level, it's still lacking. Maybe Bowler, your example of Alabama is good news for the Jazz and teams like that because Alabama is not exactly a population uh, huge population center. No, so but if you win, may, 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 yeah. But if you yeah, win. win. Yeah, if you win, then obviously that elevates you. The Jazz, once you get over that hump, you know, of saying, are we NBA champions? Well, we've been, you know, the Jazz franchise has been there twice with Carl and and Stock and and Jerry and Hornacek, but yet beaten by a guy named Jordan. And, you know, this team still has two now back-to-back All-Stars in Gobert and Donovan and an All-Star head coach, mind you. 
And is that enough to continue to build what they ultimately would love to do, and that's to win a title and bring it back to to Utah and the Intermountain West? I'd say I'm, if, if a championship comes here, you know, uh, I'm driving a bus and we're going to St. George. I mean, that's just the way it is. We're going to take it all the way through the state, man. Uh, because this state and what I've been here a long time, as all you guys, as all of us have, and you know, just the passion that we see in in all markets, but especially here in Salt Lake. Um, you know, the Miller family now, the Ryan Smith family, they've done a marvelous job in building this franchise and keeping it steady. But is this the next step? Is this the season you actually take that next step? And it'll be uh, it's, it's an exciting thing right now. And there's a lot of players deserving. You know, Joe Ingles, look at Clarks, Clarks and his honor will come. Uh, there's no one better in the league right now coming off the bench than a, than a Jordan Clarks, and he's made a huge impact on the success of this of, of this team. Just to uh, get a little uh, game talk in, Bowler, what did you think about the Jazz bouncing back last night against the Hornets? Well, Jake, i got to be honest, man. First half, I'm looking at Thurl. I'm going, wow, L.A. hangover maybe, just in the sense of the loss, coming back home for two, then going back on the road for four. Sometimes you think ahead. And you're also thinking about the end of the first half of the season, but there's a lot of basketball yet to be played with some pretty good competitive teams along the way. But I, I got to salute, you know, what the Jazz did. They went to halftime. You know, they're down. They come back. Uh, they tighten up their defense in the paint. They're not running to the rim as easy as they did in the first half. And then, of course, we just saw the most incredible example of the power of the three. Jazz didn't get a lot of buckets last night, you know, at the rim. But they kept shooting the doggone three, and they yet set another franchise record for makes. I didn't think I'd ever sit and watch 55 three-pointers go up uh, and shoot 51%, by the way, Jake and Gordon. I mean, 28 of 55. They took a total of 85 shots. So that's 30. that was 32-point attempts compared to 55 from three. Man, how life has changed for the Utah Jazz, right? It's, it's really something. But it also shows you – Statistically, Gordon, I'm going to give you something here big. Three is more than two. I mean, <laughs> and and that really is starting to really hammer home in this league, right? And and the three-point attempt uh, has just become, you know, it's it's in vogue. And the Jazz have a, a, a load of shooters that can put the ball down on a given night. And last night you just saw George Nian go off. You saw Joe do his thing. And it's an amazing thing to watch. This team is loaded with three-point shooters, and Quinn's not a, not afraid uh, to say green light on. And that's what they've been doing all season long since they kind of you know decided to go that way in the bubble. I mean, Quinn had talks with players. When you have a lot of time, you start to break down and rethink, uh, you, you know, conversation. And boy, oh boy, uh, it's an entertaining thing to watch. There's no doubt. Plus, you throw defense on top of it, and you get a really good combination of uh, some basketball. Shows you go Bears you know, status in the NBA. Uh, I just thought he was a game changer in the second half, Jake, and uh, six block shots. He's rebounding the ball. You know, you get, he gets another double-double. And also he's trying to up his game at the free-throw line, which will only help him to stay on the floor in the, in the fourth quarter. Fuller, the way you articulated that, it, it really, I thought the same thing, and I wrote a column about it at sltrib.com if you want to check it out. But, it's almost more impressive to me that the Jazz were able to change the direction of that game after struggling for as long as they did in it uh, and then come on a strong and win by 22 points. So here, here's the question to you. Have you ever tried to change anything midstream? 
I mean, it's, it's hard to it's, it's hard to well, do, right? Oh, and yet, you know, and, and, hey, and, look, as you get older, Jake, it is. It's hard <laughs> to change things midstream. Yeah, much more difficult. Yeah, much just, more. You know, twenty-two, what, twenty-two turnovers. Yeah, and, and, no, and yet you know they're playing like a bunch of bums out there, and all of a sudden they turn it around, and, and that stretch from about the midway point of the third quarter through the halfway through the fourth quarter. I mean that that was scary. That was scary good what the Jazz did. Look, when you look at a box score, and Jake, we study these right a lot uh, in your post game report, mm-hmm. and when we're on at halftime and at the end of the game. But you know, how many games would you think a team wins? with 23 turnovers, and, he, and you give away basically 25 points to your opponent. Not many. Not many. Uh, but you look at the bench, 66 points off the bench. That is absolutely insane. Uh, and the other stat, if I'm not looking at any other number, I'm looking at 30 points in the paint. Oh, I'd say to myself, wow. Boy, I tell you, Gobert and Donovan couldn't get to the rim. Uh, you know, uh, Faves couldn't do much either, or Clarkson or Bogey couldn't get to the rack. But then you look over and see, you know, the 55 threes and the 28 makes. Then you understand how you could win by 22. And, Gordon, you're spot on. You know, you're down at the half. In a high-scoring game, by the way, 67-64, you're down three at the half. And a guy named Hayward's having a whale of a ball game, by the way, last night. And then I think, that again, the Jazz defensively just got um, what you would what you'd call stingy, collapsed in the paint more forced outside shots, and all of a sudden the Hornets didn't know what hit them. They go cold, and you could tell their whole game plan went out the window, and the Jazz just took it over. And it was an incredible thing to see. A close game, high-scoring close game, turned out to be a blowout, uh, which is something the Jazz have done multiple times. I think the number's right, Jake. I think Tyson gave it to you and me last night. Is it now 17 games that have been won by double digits or 10 or more points? I believe is the number this I, season. I want to say eighteen, but it's it's seventeen or eighteen right there. Yeah. So I mean that that's tops in the NBA. So think about that. If that you win multiple games and you're really going away from teams. And the Jazz have struggled, sure, at times, but they've also had hot starts and have dominated teams from the opening tip until until the end. So last night another example of a team that's grown where they don't fear uh they don't fear uh, the comeback. They they know they can, and that's a big difference than what we saw last year. Donovan said it best in, in the bubble after losing to Denver, man, this will not happen again. And I, I'm, I'm starting to really believe him. <laughs> and I think the rest of the team has gone along with that same philosophy. And give Coach Q credit, credit as well. I think he's kind of, you know, COVID, uh, I think, gave people a lot of time, as I said, to kind of have – private time or think time and Quinn's one of those deep thinkers and draws up, you know, basketball, uh, you know, plays on a 24 seven basis. But again, working with his, his, his players understood who they really could be. And he gave them the chance to go out. And I think Ingle said it best too, Jake in a postgame comment was, Hey man, we decided to go run after a timeout and that's what they do. And, I, and and Quinn has been able to allow these guys to really show their talent and showcase who they are. Yeah. Bowler, you are the best. Thank you very much for jumping on with us, as always. We'll see you tomorrow. Guys, a pleasure. Yeah, LeBron, I think. That's his name. Uh, LeBron's in town. Yeah, that guy. So, yeah. yeah, that guy. Okay. Uh, 8 o'clock, we'll be on the air, and uh, we'll see you then. Thanks, Bowler. Hey, You're Bowler, the best. Bowler, Bowler, work on that midstream thing. 
Yeah, I will. Uh, I'll, I'll do my best. There's, uh, there's a way to. I think, I think there's a way to to fix midstream issues. So I'll do that. <laughs> Thanks, Bowler. Oh boy! See you guys. See you. See you. That's our friend Craig Bowler, Jack. Uh, the best. Ninety-seven-five and twelve-eighty. The zone.